Welcome to the Recruiting Roundup Podcast, where your hosts Tyler Harden of TTJH Sports and Josh Richter of 4th and 5 are here to talk all the current events of college football. Whether it's recruiting, transfer portal, or coaching changes, we've got you covered. Tune in on Thursdays weekly to listen to our newest episode and see what's happening in the college football world. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, Tyler Harden here with TTJH Sports, and we are here with our first podcast i'm your host of course and with josh richter we're here to talk some college football current events recruiting transfer portal whatever it may be in the college football world and there's a lot to talk about with the first episode so i feel like we're, we're starting this at the perfect time josh you know there's so much happening with the start of the off season and everything we're about a weekend to the off season and welcome to the off season i guess it's the transfer portal season this is just kind of the the way college football is going to be for the years to come. It's, it's been, it's been a whirlwind of emotions, but it's been the same for you, man. Yeah. I thought about uh, how going into this off season, this could potentially be one of the most chaotic off seasons of all time. And that wasn't even with the recent news of coach Saban's retirement and all the coaches on the move, plus the transfer portal. I was just thinking about how the Texas and Oklahoma are on the move. USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington are all on the move. The, uh, the PAC 12 will be dissolved after this off season as well. So, but then the news broke of coach Saban's retirement and like, chaos was thrown just on top of the college football world and it, it has not been the same since and i know saban's only been retired a week but man it feels like a whole lot has happened in just this short frame of time oh yeah i didn't even really think of the the whole conference realignment thing right away i mean of course that's a huge part of the future of college football but it's almost coach saban's retirement has almost put a put that to the back burner in a way it's been that big and it caught everybody by surprise it caught me by surprise i was eating you know at this mexican restaurant and i looked down on my phone and get a twitter notification that nick saban is retiring from the university of alabama and i was like wow this has been my my childhood seeing you know saving with the crimson tide and just watching them dominate and now it looks like Alabama might be a different type of program, at least to start out here. 28 players, man. 28 players have hit the transfer portal since Nick Saban retired on Wednesday. If that's not absurd, man, I don't really know what is. The fact that it's all happened so fast has just been, it's been crazy. Yeah, 28 players and some absolutely huge names in the process as well. From Caden Proctor, Caleb Downs. I mean, um, Isaiah Vaughn, the list goes on for players who have participated in this uh, mass exodus of the Crimson Tide program, if you will. And it's just kind of crazy to think to me as well, like what you touched on just now is I grew up watching this Alabama program just dominate uh, from year in and year out. And now it's going to have a whole different feel to it. In Tuscaloosa, I know they said he's going to have an office in Bryant-Denny Stadium. He'll still be around the program. Kind of, I'm kind of getting Bob Stoops, Oklahoma vibes from it all. But it, 
he's maybe he'll step in for a bowl game to coach or something. I don't know. Something funny like that. But man, I, I can already tell within this first week, it just feels different. It does. It does. And just as much as I didn't expect Coach Saban to retire when he did, I, I almost didn't expect more for, like you said, this max exodus of players to leave, to leave the program and enter the transfer portal. And I think this is one of the biggest questions revolving around the college football world is, did Alabama make the right choice here with Kalen DeBoer? Personally, I think they did. It's a great hire. It's a coach that, you know, is relatively new to, you know, the forefront of college football. You know, of, of course, he has that that big history in the NAIA. What is he, a five-time national champion there? So he's a winner, and that's something you can't really deny from his standpoint. His record just shows it, and he obviously went to Washington. I'm sure you can agree with me. That wasn't a team that could compete for a national championship at the beginning of the season. They were a New Year's Six team in my mind, absolutely. I wouldn't expect to find them in the national championship game from day one. And he brought them there, of course, and they competed for a good half of that game, even when things were not going ideal, to say the least. The offensive line was not giving Michael Penix any time to throw the ball. He was getting trampled the whole the whole game, it seems like. So Kalen DeBoer, he, he almost makes the best of the situation in front of him and then some. So I feel like he'll do he'll do exactly that at Alabama, but I'm just surprised that more players there don't really feel giving him a chance is the best for their careers. And that was the biggest surprise to me. Yeah, and I agree with you on that, especially coming uh, when 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 I definitely think about a lot of the offensive players, especially the receivers like like Isaiah. And I know my team, the Texas Longhorns, kind of benefited from his departure from the tide. But you would have thought with the way Romo Dunze, McMillan um, and the whole offense for Washington worked last season that, well, maybe Jalen Milrow and uh, they could figure something else out like that and put up some great numbers. But I guess it is the case of every action has a reaction. And I think Bama players, Bama fans, uh, people associated to the Crimson Tide program are reacting to this news uh, from this past week. And, you know, um, they're doing what they believe is truly the best move and best option for themselves and their careers. But um, another thing is Kalen DeBoer, like you said, he's a winner. If there's going to be one adjective that you're going to associate to Kalen DeBoer, it has to be he's a winner um, or a title that you give him at least like because he really has proven himself. And I, I agree with you. I think he's going to make the most of his chance at Alabama. Better NIL, better facilities, recruiting. Everybody thinks recruiting is going to be his major issue in Tuscaloosa. So I am really curious to see how he does at this kind of level because recruiting down here in the South, you know, you go to LSU. I'm a fan of Texas. I have Georgia fans in my family. Like, like I know recruiting's everything down here. And the like, will he be able, will Kalen DeBoer be able to go to Mill Creek in Georgia and grab a top player if he has to? Uh, and so I think those are questions that we'll be able to get answers to come this offseason. Yeah. And like Josh just 
touched on there. If you're not familiar with either of us, Josh is a big Longhorn fan. He does a good job on remaining, you know, kind of neutral with his takes and everything. But of course, he's got a soft spot for the Longhorns. So he had a good time this year seeing them in the Sugar Bowl, almost the national championship, but great season by the Longhorns. Of course, I go to LSU. I'm a junior there currently. But at the same time, I kind of put that to the back burner when dealing with college football. So if you haven't seen either of us in our uh, two individual brands, there's a little bit of context to that. But Josh, I mean, like we kind of touched on a little bit already, names like Caleb Downs, Caden Proctor, Isaiah Bond, all hit the portal. Which guy out of that category were you kind of most surprised about to see enter the portal? Honestly, I think Caleb Downs was kind of my most shocking player to enter the portal because I think, well, my my first initial thought was he's going to stay through the Kalen DeBoer era and really step up and become the leader of that Crimson Tide defense, kind of how like Kool-Aid McKinstreet had the past few seasons. Like he was the name you thought about on that Tide defense, kind of like the first name off the top of your or tip of your tongue i guess and i thought caleb downs would really step in and fill that role now i understand he's doing what he believes is best for his career but that one definitely had to shock me the most caden proctor not so much just because he was a big iowa guy during his recruitment and i think it it's really important now to be a recruit's second favorite team during their high school recruitment it, and because you're gonna you're probably locked in to get them at some point throughout their career almost now so but what about you uh who was one of the tie players that you were kind of shocked to see come off the board yeah i gotta agree with caleb downs i mean like you just said it, it's almost just as important to be a recruit second favorite team than the, the team they commit to and sign to out of high school a lot of people are projecting caleb downs to go to georgia I'm one of those people. I think he ends up a bulldog when it's all said and done in his time in the portal. It just makes sense. He's from Georgia, Milk Creek. Shout out to them. We already mentioned them one once this episode. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he he goes back to Georgia defensively. That program kind of speaks for itself. It's the reason why they're such a dominant program year in, year out. They're they're kind of just doing their thing on defense at this at this point. So with everything kind of as unstable as it is at Alabama in the current moment, at least it, it just kind of makes sense that he'd want to be a part of something consistent near home in the Georgia and the Georgia Bulldogs, that program. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see him end up there, but it did surprise me that he did enter the portal. Like you said, he has the opportunity to be a leader now that Alabama program, that Alabama defense, especially as a true freshman, he had 40 more tackles than any, anybody else in that defense. That That's a staggering number, to me, especially as a true freshman, like I just said. So he had the real opportunity to be a leader in that, in that program, but you know, he did what was best for his career. And, you know, always that's the priority, but I think he ends up a Georgia bulldog. And that wouldn't be a surprise to me at all. I just wonder about the pressure that a lot of these players feel from outside of the program, from friends and families and boosters of other programs to transfer. Because Caleb Downs is obviously, um, 
you want to talk if, if this was a draft system, he would have been the first off the board of the transfer portal for any school uh, to want to take him. And so I just wonder what kind of internal pressures and external pressures Caleb Downs felt throughout his thought process to leave this uh, tied program. But um, something else I thought about uh, in relation to this mass exodus of the tide is, is this fair to Alabama? Is this fair to Alabama that they went all the way to the playoffs? They played a month later than everyone else got to play, um, had a chance, came very short of getting to be in that national championship game. But they they went all this way, and then Nick Saban did retire, and that opens up a transfer portal window for tied players to leave, but not players from other schools to join the tide. And so I wonder if what we say 28 players have now mm-hmm. left the program. Yeah, it can that, very well be much more. That was the number as of when Caden Proctor hit the portal. It could very well be much more than that, at least unconfirmed that is. So we don't really know what it will look like three days from now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's just in, insanity to me that – 28 players will depart this team and uh, Alabama and Kalen DeBoer, if they want transfer players, they're going to kind of have to pick out of the, the after pickings of the first round of the portal from back in December to now. So that's just, is it fair to Alabama? Is it fair to teams that make this playoff? Like, or is it kind of like a punishment that they made the playoffs in a way, but uh, it kind of makes me wonder, will this same thing happen to Michigan? Come a few days, a few weeks from now, if uh, Coach Harbaugh does decide to take over a a Chargers or a Falcons program uh, organization, if you will, uh, will Michigan be the next team to just get uh, picked out of? Yeah, no, it's definitely the college football world always keeps you on your toes. And if that hasn't been true these past week or two and, you know, maybe these next few weeks upcoming I don't really know what else needs to happen for you to kind of be like, oh yeah, like the off season's the off season. The off season's just, there aren't games being played, but there's absolutely still things going on. And you bring up an interesting point where is Alabama being punished for, for making the playoff. And there's an, a little bit of an ironic situation among us. If you haven't really noticed the one team that really seems to be benefiting from Alabama's mass exodus of players is Florida State, the team that was left out of the playoff with a 13-0 record and an ACC championship. They've picked up five Alabama players out of the portal, some of the notable ones running back Roydell Williams. He was a guy in their rotation. Malik Benson, he was a guy from Juco who was starting to get some more reps as the season went on. And some other young guys, Terrence Ferguson, Sean Murphy, and Earl Little, junior the cornerback i mean they're they're picking at will at this point but it's almost like they're getting a little bit of revenge specifically on alabama and obviously that's not planned but it is kind of funny to watch how the irony there just kind of played out the way in you know sequence of florida state being left out of the playoff now they're getting the guys that left them out of the playoff and it's just kind of funny to me seeing that i don't know it's just a coincidence, of course, but it is kind of funny. 
Yeah, and Mike Norvell and his staff have done like such an excellent job this offseason attacking the portal. I believe they're one of the top top five programs to attack the portal this offseason up there with Colorado and Ole Miss, for example. And I think Florida State's bringing in around 14 transfer kids so far. Shoot, they could go get more Bama players if they want to at this point. But they're bringing in 14 transfers, and that's going to play a huge role in their spring ball because I think they have 22 signees in this incoming class that will be incoming freshmen. And 13 will be early enrollees that I know of. And so just kind of splitting your recruiting class almost a little 55, 45 uh, for the early enrollee. Those transfer players are going to play a big role come this spring and come winter workouts to really get developed in that program and help build that program for Mike Norvell. Yeah, I mean, before we kind of get into Florida State's transfer class, at least, it's just kind of, it's amazing to see the turnaround from Mike Norvell. We, two years ago from this point, we were, we were both probably kind of saying like Mike Norvell is on the hot seat. Mike Norvell won't make another season at Florida state. They've been nothing but mediocre. They were on the cusp of the college football playoff two years later before, of course, it went to 12 teams where it might be a little easier to make it in. Mike Norvell has completely turned that program around. And I, I feel like we have to kind of recognize that before we recognize how well they've done on the transfer portal. And other than the Alabama guys we've mentioned, they picked up DJU from Oregon State. Of course, he did well at Oregon State this season. Where they kind of got pummeled against Notre Dame in the Sun Bowl yeah. this year. But, I mean, all the, all the guys, even their head coach was out at that point. So I feel like you kind of just have to disregard that in a way. But they got Marvin Jones Jr., of course, his dad, played at Florida State. So bringing him back to a legacy recruit there, that's huge for that program. They got Jalen Brown from LSU, of course. He was a five-star in high school. So that's another big pickup. I mean, it's not only they're picking from Alabama. Like you said, they're kind of picking at will at this point. And, you know, they're ranked They're ranked right now third-ranked transfer class, according to 24-7 Sports. So they've definitely, like you said, not only signees out of high school, they put together a nice transfer class to complement that. And of course, that was such a big issue when it came to the Capital One Orange Bowl. So many of Florida State players were gone. That, that That's a large reason why they were 63-3 to on the losing end of it, of course. I mean, so you kind of just have to applaud Mike Norvell and his staff, what they've done with that program, just long-term. Not only this season, just long-term. This season, this class, this transfer class especially, is just a huge sign that how far they've come. Oh, yeah. And uh, with the addition of this transfer class, I just think that them bringing in this kind of older experience to replace the Keon Coleman's and the Johnny Wilson's, a lot of seniority was is departing from Tallahassee. And by attacking the portal this well, I think, one, it helps replace it. But two, you're creating a lot of good mentorship from guys who have game time experience on other rosters who will help set up the Seminoles for the future success, whether that be in the ACC conference. I don't know. But with the expansion of the 12-team playoffs, Florida State will definitely, if they're undefeated in conference champs, 
they are definitely not getting left out at that point. It would be like impossible for it to happen, but they will be able to make some good runs in the future, I think. And especially if Norvell and his staff keep attacking the portal like this year in and year out, just finding exactly what they need. I'm looking at this list and I'm seeing a few defensive linemen and that's going to replace like the Jared versus on the roster. And a lot of that star talent that was on that Seminoles defense that was just so uh, empowering against like Louisville, for example, really kind of embarrassed Louisville. But honestly, Louisville's offense was kind of embarrassing to itself at the same time. But um but yeah, I mean, this is going to be such a fun roster to watch next season. And especially if they can make a deep playoff run just to kind of avenge this past season's team that didn't that did get that snub from the committee. I think uh, Florida State fans should be very happy moving forward. Yeah, I mean, Florida State, they're on a mission. I feel like they're on a mission, especially this coming season. If they weren't on a mission already, they they took it personal, being left out of the playoff as they should have, in my opinion. Was it the best? Would they have been the best fourth team in the playoff if they had made it? No. But they did everything required to make the playoff. They won their conference championship. They were undefeated. Something out of their control that left them out of the playoff should not be the reason why they went down, in my opinion. So... I think Florida State has a massive, massive chip on their shoulder. I think this coming season, Alabama will have a massive, massive chip on their shoulder. Everybody's kind of counting them out with Nick Saban gone. All their players seem to be gone these days. People have question marks about how Kalen DeBoer is going to do at Alabama. I think he'll do just fine one way or another. They might not be national champions year one, but I feel like if you told me they'd make the college football playoff with the 12 teams, I wouldn't be surprised. So those two teams, it's definitely going to be interesting how they go into next season. I feel like they'll do, they'll both do just fine. And, you know, Florida State, I feel like especially will come back and do it even better than they did this past season. I got a question for you, Tyler. I know we both agree on if I, if I said uh, Florida State will be a top two team in the ACC and it would be hard to not pick them at first. But do you see Alabama as a top, let's say, three team in the SEC next season with all the talent that's returning to, let's say, Georgia? And it seems like Texas is reloaded properly. Oklahoma, as much uh, as people want to tease them for their two losses, well, they only lost twice and, well, three times to Arizona now in the in that Alamo Bowl defeat. But um do you, do you see Alabama as a top three program within the SEC next season? Honestly, yes. I still think they get that that very strict third spot, and there's going to be a gap between that second spot and that third spot. Georgia and Texas, when they play in the regular season, that will be the game of the year. I don't think we'll see a better game than that in college football next season, including Michigan State, Ohio State, which have, I mean, Michigan, Ohio State, rather – which is, of course, always a good game that means something in the end. Of course, with the Oregons, the USC, UCLA, Washington, all going to the Big Ten, that's going to drop some good games as well. But I think Alabama still gets that third spot. I think it'll be very much between Alabama and LSU for that third spot. I feel like Oklahoma not having a veteran quarterback right now is really going to hurt them. I feel like Jackson Arnold 
with development could be a long-term answer, but the keywords there is with development. And I don't know how many games that might cost them in the beginning, especially with an SEC schedule. I mean, Auburn is my sleeper in the SEC West early on. They got an elite freshman class coming in. So I, I feel like they're kind of building something, but I just don't know if it's their year yet. But I, I, with that being said, I, I feel like Alabama still stays up there. They find a way. They have enough pieces where they still can. A lot of people kind of still forget. As of right now, when this is being filmed, they have Deontay Lawson, Jihad Campbell. Guys like that are still going to be in the program. And they they were guys that produced you know some of the most Jalen Milrow. I mean, it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always perfect. But at the end of the day, he got them to the college football playoff. You know, you can't really ask for much more than that out of a guy who was benched week three. We kind of look back on that and we're like, that was Nick Saban's best coaching job. And was that a large part because of Nick Saban's coaching job? Absolutely. But I still feel like they have enough players, enough pieces where they can be a contender for the SEC West still. And in a way, they won't really skip a beat. Yeah, and especially attacking Jalen Milrow, attacking this offseason with Kalen DeBoer, I think is going to be, I mean, I know obviously everyone's development is super important this offseason for Alabama, but I think Jalen Milrow's development this offseason is going to be almost one of those difference makers for the Tide next year because we got to see as I mentioned earlier, how well and how great the Michael Penix, Romo Dunze uh, offense looked for Kalen DeBoer's Washington. Um, who's to say Jalen Milrow can't put something together like that as well? And if he could just, if they can develop his passing, because um, he's got the legs, he, he likes to use his legs a tiny bit more than Michael Penix. And that's understandable because of the injuries Michael Penix sustained throughout his career. But Jalen Milrow has the legs, and if he can just put that little touch, that little special touch on his passing, I think uh, that that third spot in the SEC can be locked up by the Tide. And that third spot is pretty much guaranteed. If, if you're third in the SEC, you're pretty much going to the playoffs in the 12-team system. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. And, of course, you bring up an interesting point with you know how well Michael Penix and Romo Dunze did in that air raid offense, how – how well Washington's air raid offense did, of course, to bring them to a runner-up in the college football playoff. Now, who's a guy that was briefly at Washington, I'm talking days, that is in the transfer portal quarterback and his people thought true future head coach is now at Alabama, Will Rogers. Could Will Rogers end up at Alabama and really throw a wrench in a way to – the way Alabama operates. If Alabama ran on an air raid offense, I wouldn't really know what to think anymore. We've never really seen that. So it's it's definitely it's definitely interesting to see if if Kalen DeBoer decides to go that route if he can get Will Rogers. I think there's a good chance that he could end up at Alabama. I feel like he might be the answer. He's a veteran guy. It kind of makes sense. So I wouldn't really exactly rule that out of the equation either. But Assuming as of right now that Jalen Milrow is the guy, I feel like Alabama definitely has a chance to be that third team. And like you said, would pretty much lock them in to the college football playoff. This is going to be such a fun SEC season, dude. Oh, like, it's going to be awesome. 
Texas and Oklahoma, Bama's on the new the new Bama era. Um, Jackson Dart returning to Ole Miss. Missouri's coming back after a extremely hot season. Georgia is gotta be, has got to be pissed. They got they're going to be on a war tear next year. A, any team they play uh, outside of let's say October nineteenth when they visit Austin, Texas, uh, I'd be worried. I'm going to be worried for those teams, and they actually do have Bama on their schedule next season. So that's yeah. going to be a really interesting game. Uh, come when those two teams face off and when they face off against Texas. Um, we said Missouri looks, Missouri's coming back after a hot year. Uh, Ole Miss, we got a new Jeff Levy at Mississippi State. Hugh Freeze and Auburn are killing it in recruiting. Um, we didn't miss yet with their transfer class coming in. Yeah. Yeah, coming back. They did lose Quinchon Judkins, which we'll get to in a bit. But Ole Miss, even man, if you didn't already mention them, they're they're tearing it up too. It's it's going to be a fun one, man. The SEC alone. I mean, we're not even bringing up the other conferences yet. The other mega conferences, we should say. Yeah, it's, the SEC could could keep us entertained for an entire season, and we'd be just fine. <laughs> I feel. Oh like, yeah. You know, speaking of that, man, it almost seems like all the news is surrounding the SEC, and it you know very much is we didn't even really talk about Isaiah Bond to Texas, which is huge for that program. You know, that that was a program that all of their experienced receivers decided to enter the NFL draft, rightfully so, but that could that could easily be their guy from day one when he steps into that program, having Quinn Ewers, an experienced veteran quarterback, having a tar- <laughs> having him with a target like that, that's all Texas really needed to really stay at the top of the SEC conversation. They're starting to heat up in the in the transfer portal, especially with guys like him. They just landed two yesterday with Silas Bolden, good receiver out of Oregon State, and Alabama again, Alabama linebacker and Kendrick Blackshot. So Texas is another school you could say has been kind of kind of hungry from Alabama's quote unquote suffering, even though I don't think it's really suffering when you have a coach like Kalen DeBoer still there. Texas is kind of benefiting from that. And, you know, of course, you being a Longhorn fan, I'm sure you're you're eating it all up and, and stuff. So it's it's been it's been good for Texas too. I know it's kind of been hidden from Florida State. I'm I'm sure they take the gold medal from Alabama players available taking advantage of that. But Texas man has been too. At least they're starting to. Yeah, I that Isaiah Bond move to Texas, the moment I saw him enter the transfer portal, I was like we have to get him. I, 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 that was my first thought was I was like, Sark, what's the Venmo? I'll donate. What, where do I need to send my money? Where do I need to, I got paid last Friday. Where do I need to send my money? We need Isaiah bond in this locker room today. Uh, he really does bring that kind of just, um, 80 Mitchell type factor back to the locker room, that kind of jump ball factor, if you will. Um, and, him joining um, Matt Golden, Matthew Golden from Houston, and Silas Bolden, that's going to be kind of a tongue twister come next season. We're going to have like uh, Bolden and Golden running around. Golden, that's going to confuse all the commentators. Yeah, exactly. It's a law firm. But um, <laughs> we're going to have all these. Uh, exactly. 
We're I gonna need hear this. I'm I'm gonna I'll wear it on the I'll wear it on the first week of the season. I'll wear it for the spring game. But um but yeah, bringing those two in brings kind of the speed factor back and then um the AD Mitchell factor from Isaiah Bond, like just that jump ball excellence type. Um, it's going to be fun. And and like you said, Sark has really started to heat up in this portal. And Texas has been a beneficiary or uh, from the Alabama departures, uh, departees, if you will. And I think Sark is kind of just like picking and choosing the exact positions that he wants to bring in guys from the portal. I know a lot of people on Twitter for who are Texas fans have been talking and they've been wanting a defensive lineman to replace that kind of Tavondre sweat, Byron Murphy combo. Uh, Cause they have them, but they're going to be young and you want some experience, especially being in the sec where the games are won in the trenches flat out games are won in the trenches. And if you don't have a guy in that trench that to against Georgia come October 19th, you're going to lose that game. And that's just how it is. You have to play that certain way. And I know Sark knows that from his time in the sec, of course, but like another, an- the, the Kendrick Blackshire pickup, that's another great pickup because he's going to team up with uh, Anthony Hill and that's going to be a great combo as well in Austin. So uh, I, I I trust in Coach Sark, and I know all Texas fans do down in Austin. So and and it looks like he's locked in through twenty thirty. So that's something everyone down there is very much excited about. Yeah, the common mantra I'm sure you're nothing but used to hearing with Texas is, "Are they back? Are they back? They're back, man." If if you had to ask me, they're they're very much back, and Sark is kind of been the the chosen one for that to happen. You can even say Quinn Ewers has something to do with that, but he just seems like he has the program rolling again, the way they were kind of used to doing. Everything is kind of operating like a well-oiled machine there. And, you know, it, it, it's it's good for Texas right now. You know, it's, it's good to see them at the top of the college football world, and especially with them joining the SEC. It's just kind of fitting having a, a perennial power like that a, a giant like that awoken again and it'll be fun to see them against georgia georgia everybody said this past season kind of had that like kind of cruise through schedule well they're, they're running the gauntlet next season so get ready because uh i don't think we can say that about georgia next year and i know this past season was kind of unfortunate that their game in norman oklahoma got canceled in week three replaced with ball state kind of Oklahoma and Ball State are kind of on two different calibers of football, but uh, that was just kind of an unfortunate situation due to the move of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. There was a lot of complication about Oklahoma for one game being considered out of conference, and then they would be a conference opponent and wouldn't be fair to uh, Oklahoma, I believe. So that's why the SEC made them cancel that game this past season. But man, we got a lot of Georgia's running the gauntlet, that's for sure, next season. There's a team to beat as of right now. You can even make a, t- a, a case for Texas. Even though they just joined the SEC, they might already have the biggest target on their back out of anybody in that conference. But let's not forget, I guess this is a good segue into the Big Ten news that's been happening. Texas plays Michigan. That's another game. And 
Texas, if they run the table with Michigan and Georgia on their schedule, if they make it out alive of the regular season scratch-free, I don't really know how you can make any any case on was Texas tested enough. This tech is Texas legit. You, I don't think there's any reason anybody should think that if they come away winning those two games alone, which is is very possible. I, I feel like, especially you know, maybe not Georgia, but Michigan. You know, with how much they're losing to the NFL draft, maybe the transfer portal with Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL a little bit, and it's a good it's a good time to be a Texas fan. It's you know, there's a lot to look forward to in the future for them. Oh yeah, I think so too, and I I agree with you on that statement because in the middle of all that Michigan, uh, Texas facing Michigan, Texas facing Georgia, they still got to go play Oklahoma in the Red River. And Oklahoma may not be bringing in a veteran quarterback. Actually, funny enough, they just got Casey Thompson from the transfer portal, which is (laughs) ironic quarterback to go to Oklahoma. I mean, best of luck to Casey Thompson. Um, That is, but that is so funny that just three years ago he was playing Oklahoma and actually had one of the best games of his career against Oklahoma in the Red River showdown. And now he's at Oklahoma of all things, and he's on his veteran quarterback. I I think I cracked the joke that um, for all these fifth and sixth year and seventh year players in their collegiate careers, their NIL deal should go towards a 401k. But. I remember you told me that one. I just burst out laughing because it's true at that point. Hey, might as well, right? Might as well go go to something that's going to benefit you long term, right? So, yeah. might as well. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about the Big Ten now, man, and you know the, the news may not be as heavy as what it is in the SEC, but there's still some big moves going on, and I feel like you know we we were talking about Isaiah Bond when he was in the portal, uncommitted for that brief time. He was, of course, the top available receiver in the portal because, you know, a couple of days before that, Oregon made a move and got Evan Stewart from Texas A&M. Great pickup. Um, I feel like he kind of plays the same kind of way as a Troy Franklin kind of did. So you can go in there and kind of just keep that same system, but just replace guys. And Evan Stewart's talented, man. He's a talented receiver. I know he kind of didn't really reach his full potential i feel like in a&m there was just too too much going on in that program i feel like we're going to see the real evan stewart now at oregon with you know either dylan gabriel i feel like dylan gabriel is going to be the guy even though with dante moore there i feel like dante moore is still going to be one hell of a backup to have in the back pocket i feel like we're going to see the new the the real evan stewart now what everything he can bring to the table i feel like we're going to see it at oregon so i love that fit for them, I love that fit for him. And yeah, I feel like Oregon really, really won with that pickup. Yeah, the Oregon Ducks are going to be such a fun team to watch come this new Big Big Ten era, if you will. They I, they are going to be such a, what? how would you say, like a, not a, I wouldn't say like a powerhouse of traditional Big Ten football like you think with the way Michigan and Ohio State have always played. But Oregon's coming in with a with an NIL collective that is 
such a strong factor. And I know Ohio State has a good one, and I know Michigan has a good one. The Big Ten has good NIL, but but Oregon, Oregon is just such a when you think of Big Ten football, you don't think of Oregon. And this is going to be the funnest. I, one of the funnest teams, I think, to watch because Dan Lanning himself is such a fun coach to watch. I love all his pregame speeches. And you know this this news of Evan Stewart joining the Ducks came just hours after Dan Lanning in Oregon announced Dan Lanning would be staying in Eugene and not going to Tuscaloosa. So that was just great news for Ducks fans that day. They retained their coach and then just got um, – what was at the time the best wide receiver in the transfer portal. And I love, and like you said, he, he didn't reach his full potential at Texas A&M, but I love this new, I love this new environment for Evan Stewart. And I love, I, I know the offense will be a little different than the Bo Nix offense that we saw the past two years from the ducks, but Dylan Gabriel, he can distribute the ball. And I think Evan Stewart's going to have plenty of opportunities in Eugene uh, to get numbers, to get stats, and really help the Ducks in this new era of Big Ten football in their new home and their new conference. And um, that that Dylan Gabriel, Dylan Gabriel, he's a veteran quarterback. Uh, he's been with several teams now, and th this is just like Bo Nix. I think he'll have the opportunity to develop to develop in Eugene the same way. And Evan Stewart has that opportunity be, opportunity to be the number one weapon. Yeah, no, I definitely think he goes into that offense as the number one weapon. I think him partnered with Tez Johnson is going to be something scary. With Dylan Gabriel throwing to them, Oregon, their first year in the Big Ten could be a contender for it all. I feel like that's a valid claim. And, you know, with, with the experience that they all have there, too, and like you said, coupled with Dan Lanning as at the helm, I, I feel like, you know, there's not going to be a lot of teams that can stop Oregon, you know? So it's, it's going to be a fun one for, for Oregon fans. Of course, I think that was um, when they landed Evan Stewart, I think he was waiting on if Dan Lanning was going to go to Tuscaloosa or not. So it was just a great day for, for duck fans and everything. And I mean, if there's one team, in the Big Ten that I think can can beat Oregon. And, you know, they of course, they're at Oregon for this game, so maybe even not, is Ohio State. Ohio State, another team that has picked up some big victories in the portal as of recent, Quinshawn Judkins. I didn't – that's another one I was kind of surprised about that hit the portal. I didn't really expect that, especially, you know, we, we mentioned it earlier with all, everything Ole Miss is kind of building – with Lane Kiffin and the transfer portal, of course, picking up Walter Nolan. Shout out to Texas A&M, two A&M guys we've mentioned. I mean, Ohio, I mean, Ohio State's a great fit for him. Don't get me wrong. Him with Trayvon Henderson in the backfield, another thing that'll be kind of scary in the in the Big Ten. So, Ohio State, a lot of players are returning. The wins there for them, not out of the transfer portal, but just in general. I think similar to Florida State, Ohio State's on a mission too. They're tired of getting beat by Michigan, or should I say the team up north to accommodate them? Um, they're they're tired of it. These these players are on a mission. Now that there's a 12-team playoff, they know they're a top 12 team. I certainly think they are. 
And I think with Trayvon Henderson, Quinchon Judkins in the backfield, they have a experienced quarterback after Kyle McCord committed to Syracuse out of the portal. And Will Howard, I think that's a good fit for him. And, you know, receivers, of course, Marvin Harrison during the draft. So naturally that's a blow. But Amika Emeka Buka coming back, huge. And, you know, defensively, JT Tumalau, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, all coming back for for them. Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock in the secondary. They're they're destined, man. They're destined for, you know, what they've been waiting for, I feel like. And, you know, Michigan kind of under, you know, undergoing some natural rebuilds along with, like we said, Jim Harbaugh kind of flirting with the NFL NFL a little bit. And I feel like this is the year Ohio State can kind of do it. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's Oregon and Ohio State in the end for the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten just feels so wide open this year um, when I really think about it, because like we said, we got the newcomers with USC, UCLA, Oregon and Washington. They're all going to want to make a, a, a first year um, impact when they join. But also with Jim Harbaugh flirting with the NFL, J.J. McCarthy's going to the NFL. A lot of Michigan guys are making that leap to go to the NFL and Ohio State no, uh, it, it'll be led by either Devin Brown or Air Nolan from what it looks like. So a new quarterback at the helm. But like you said, they're returning a lot of other guys and they're just looking like they could really uh, take the Big Ten by the throat and just kind of go with it as well. It, it It's really a true it's truly an open conference, in my opinion, because. Uh, just so much change is going on in the college football world and within these super conferences now that I just think it's hard not for me to want to root for the newcomer, but it's also hard for me not to want to root to see Ohio State take the conference back that the conference that they had a grip on for such a long time underneath Urban Meyer that they kind of have lost since then to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. But who knows if he'll even be there. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. And you know, Michigan nine days ago from when we're filming this was on top of the world. And now, including us two, we're, we're kind of already, you know, putting them to the backseat to teams like Ohio State and Oregon. It just kind of goes to show with the snap of a finger, blink of an eye. And I feel like that's the the theme of this entire episode. College football can change so incredibly quickly. Almost a week ago today, I feel like half these conversations we've had in this episode, I I don't even know if it would definitely be a surprise if we were having them this time around. It's just everything changes so quickly with college football. You know, I'm sure this is why you love it so much, too, but that's why I love it so much. It always keeps you on your toes and there's there is no (laughs) offseason. There is no offseason, but it's almost better that way. (laughs) So. I'm not complaining a bit. Oh, yeah, definitely not. And like you said, come next week, we could be having an entirely different conversation. The college football world changes in a blink of an eye, and so does the high school recruiting world. It changes in a blink of an eye as well, and it certainly has changed recently for 2026's number one overall player, Julian Lewis, 
who has now reclassified to the class of 2025. So he is now going into his senior year rather than his junior year. And um, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening have watched Julian Lewis highlights. He's kind of a social media phenomenon, if you will, in terms of the high school recruiting world. And I mean, his game speaks for itself and his highlights are what makes him such an iconic player. He's a USC commit. So some wonder with the transfer of Malachi Nelson out of USC, Caleb Williams to the league. Is this reclassification by Julian Lewis, to, is, is it to get to USC faster? Or is there another team that's kind of heating up on his board that he's kind of thinking, well, they're going to lose their quarterback as well. And I kind of want to get to college just a little bit sooner. We're seeing a whole lot of players choose to reclassify lately. It feels like a lot more than usual. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because of the opportunities of NIL, because um, a lot of these guys, whether they sit a year or not, still have great opportunities to make money with NIL just from being big on social media and being um, popular and being well known. So that was just something I wanted to touch base on real quick was the Julian Lewis reclassification, just because. He's such an iconic player to the high school football recruiting world and the landscape of it all. Yeah, no, it was definitely a, a big move. Definitely a big move out of the high school football recruiting landscape. And you bring up an interesting point where it could be to get to USC sooner. Of course, they didn't bring in a quarterback for their 2024 class. So it's kind of wide open. It could very well be wide open when he gets there. Of course, Miller Moss, will be what a senior going into next season. And he looks like with Malachi Nelson's Boise State, which by the way, I love that move, but that's another conversation. It could very well be a Julian Lewis true freshman campaign in USC. We could very well see that just like the guy ranked above him, Bryce Underwood, at, when he gets to Baton Rouge as a freshman, it could very well be his program right away. Maybe not right away, but at some point in the season, they're just two quarterbacks with that type of talent. And I feel like in the 2025 class as a whole, the quarterback landscape is just loaded. We have Bryce Underwood and Julian Lewis now who could, you know, kind of interchange that number one role. I think Bryce Underwood personally has it right now. He's just kind of a, a talent we haven't seen since maybe Quinn Ewers back in the class of 2021. So it, it's loaded. We even have guys like you know, George McIntyre, of course, Tavian St. Clair going to Ohio State, Deuce Knight going to Notre Dame, KJ Lacey, of course, going to Texas. He's a, you know, mobile dual threat guy. KJ Smith going to Oregon. So it's it's loaded, man. It's loaded. I mean, I, I left out names, of course, but though, you know, when you have that, you know, group of guys at the top, and I feel like we could have said the same thing about that class of 2023, where, you know, Arch, of course, there were so many guys below him that could have taken that number one spot. Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, Jackson Arnold. I, I feel like Nico. Shout out to Nico. <laughs> of course, don't want to leave him out. I feel like he's going to do something great at Tennessee. Man, we're seeing. I feel like we're seeing that again, and that class is you know turning out to be pretty good. So Julian Lewis, Bryce Underwood. I feel like those two guys can come into their respective programs and 
make an impact. And I feel like that had a lot to do with why Julian Lewis made that move to the 2025 class. Yeah, I agree. And in the class of 2025, that's going to be in their senior year. They are all just like I kind of mentioned earlier, big names. Like you said, big name. It's a big name quarterback class and they are committed to some big time programs. And it's funny to think about how these kids are coming in to like this new landscape of college football and how it's going to be so much different for them from NIL. They'll have the transfer portal at their disposal, disposal, whether they choose to use it or not. And it's just crazy to me to think about like just because we talk to a lot of these guys and we get we get insight from a lot of them on what they're feeling and uh, their thoughts and emotions on these certain programs and how they're doing. And it's just fun to hear about that and see guys like Julian Lewis reclassify. I'm sure one of us are going to reach out and try to see, get a, get a thought on his thought process or get a statement on his thought process for that. But overall, like, this, this class of 25 is definitely loaded with superstar talent, not just at the quarterback position, but across the board. And that's something we are both going to have to keep an eye out for. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you bring up a, an interesting point with the transfer portal being at their disposal. That's if the transfer portal is even the same by then, which it very well could be, you know, have a little more ruling to it than it does these days. But Man, I feel like, like I said earlier, the common mantra with college football is stay on your toes. You never really know what's going to happen next. And I feel like that's kind of the common theme with this episode. Josh, we've talked on a lot this episode. This one was packed. And I feel like this one being the first one is definitely, you know, starting off with a bang. And next week could be <laughs> totally, totally different. You just never really know. But that's the art of college football. You got to love it, embrace it or don't, you know, it, it's, it's truly one of a kind. Yeah. This is, this has been a great first episode, a great kickoff episode, if you will. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's been so much fun getting to talk with Tyler, talk with Tyler today, and we'll be back next week. Hopefully next Wednesday, we're going to try to shoot for Wednesday, Wednesday film time, Thursday releases. Let's uh, kind of That's put that. Of course, yeah. we're still new at this, so we'll, we'll get behind it. <laughs> you yeah, know, we're, we're, we're doing our best, but yeah. thank you, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This has been a an awesome first episode, I think. Yeah, look out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where you know, most people get their podcasts. Let's say, look out there for, like Josh said, new episodes Wednesday film time, Thursday. Thursday release time subject due to change, but of course we, we will keep y'all informed. Thank y'all so much for the time and here's to the off season, man. Yeah. Cheers to the off season. <laughs>